coming to you direct from the heart of New York City all the way to wherever you are. You're listening to the VIP Jazzwell Report. It's the season of being thankful, and no one said it more beautifully than Melody Beattie, who said, Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. A highly appropriate quote for today's show because we talk about our soldiers who come home and who are forgotten, not for what they have done, but for what they can still do. We have three patriots on the show today. My first guest spent 23 years in the armed special forces involved in foreign internal defense, counterinsurgency and stability missions. He's served in the special ops for over 18 years and has been a Green Beret for over 15 years in combat deployments in Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Panama, Iraq and Afghanistan. The former Green Beret and the founder of the Stability Institute, his name is Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. My second guest will be here shortly, and he is Chief Warrant Officer Romulo Camargo, also known as Romy. He's been in the U.S. Army since 1995, but mostly in the special operations community. There are not enough words to describe this man, but if you ever think you have challenges in your life, then wait till you meet him later in the show, and he will change the way you view your life. I promise you that. And our third guest will be the most beautiful of all four of us present today. And believe it or not, she's even prettier than me. She's Gaby Camargo and is Romy's wife. The world describes her as a caregiver to Romy. But as you will see and hear later in the show, she is simply an angel in disguise. Welcome back to the show, Scott. Hey, Viv. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy Thanksgiving. And to you, sir. I heard you. I heard your speech at the Green Beret Foundation, and and you know, my friend. Quite frankly, you really ha- you say it with passion. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's it's like I told a few folks after that talk. You know, one of the easiest things uh, in the world for me is to talk about Green Berets. It's something that that I just I love to talk about them. I'm immensely proud of them, and uh, and telling their story is not a hard thing to do. Well, you know, it's that time of year where, where families are coming together to create good times and make moments. But I think in some ways we need to think outside of ourselves for a moment and focus in times of war like now about our soldiers coming home. We just had Veterans Day, and that's all very well. But I think in today's world, society is missing out on what I like to call the lost value that our soldiers bring back to society. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, the, the, the topic that you're having today, Vip, is, is something that is sorely needed. I mean, we we talk a lot about transition and veterans coming home, mm. uh, but I think we need a, a much more substantive discussion about what that really means yeah. uh, and, and and how we can work together as a nation and a community to to do that, because there's there's a lot of missed opportunity here that we're not we're not gaining. What challenges do our soldiers face, do you think, when they return? Well, you know, there's there's several. Um, the, the, I think the, the the first challenge that um, I, I would uh, you know suggest to your audience that our guys are facing is that they have been involved in the longest war in our nation's history, uh, and I think sometimes we forget that uh, because the war is often fought in the shadows, as President Bush said. But we've got guys who have literally been on 10, 11, 12 deployments, uh, and that's just an unheard of amount of sustained combat. I mean, that's longer than World War II. Mm. Um, and so our guys have seen a lot of combat. That's, that's one thing. Uh, I think the other thing is that the military is drawing down right now. That we're seeing a decrease in funding. We're seeing a, de- a decrease in manpower. But, you know, you only have to watch Fox News a little bit to see that our tempo is actually picking up. ISIS and these other guys are not going away. So our, 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 our military personnel are having to go fight these threats globally, uh, actually with less people, which means their tempo is even higher. And then finally, uh, there's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of time for our veterans to transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're literally having to sprint all the way to the finish line. Uh, and when they, when they get to the finish line, which is their transition point, you know, they maybe have 10, 15 days actually allocated to them to, to make that transition. I mean, it takes almost two years to become a Green Beret, and you get about 10 days uh, allocated for transition uh, to, to exit the Army. So it's all of that combined really makes it challenging for our guys. And again, they just don't have a lot of time to think about it until they find themselves facing it. What's involved in the 10 days in this uh, transition program when they come back from war? 
Well, you know, it's 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 a it's a decent attempt to try to prepare the guys for some of the things that that that, that they will face. I mean, there's briefings on um, job interviews. There's briefings on different uh, websites and and services that are out there to help the guys. There's financial briefings. There's Veterans Administration's briefings on 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 how to uh, leverage their 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 healthcare benefits, that kind of thing. But frankly, Vip, I mean, it's literally like drinking from the proverbial fire hose. You don't have a lot of time. And, you know, you're consumed. You're thinking about, okay, what am I going to do now? I've got to get a job. Maybe, you know, a lot of our guys don't have jobs yet. Uh, so they're not really dialed into what they're hearing. And, and frankly, a lot of the classes, and, 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 and I went through it. I, I was not that impressed with it. I mean, it was a decent effort, I guess. But it falls pretty short of, of, the, of the realities, of the civilian realities that our guys face. Uh, it, it really doesn't measure up. And, and I, I know you're probably going to ask me this, but that's really why, you know, the Green Beret Foundation and other groups uh, created the Next Ridgeline Project to, to basically fill those gaps. The civilian mindset is, you know, that they can only do security work and any other work that involves labor. Yet, um, I think as a society and a, as an economy, we are missing out on, on capitalizing on the brain power. How do we change that? Oh, look, that's a great point, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because, you know, frankly, I think there are a lot of – another challenge are a lot of the misperceptions out there. I think, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's organizations that mean well. There's something like 40,000 nonprofit organizations out there that do veterans advocacy. I mean it's a sea of goodwill, as I've heard some call it. And unfortunately, there's some misperceptions out there that our veterans – are somehow damaged goods, you know, mm. that they're almost like the island of misfit toys. And, you know, like any other group of folks, we have challenges in our life and things, but let's not forget, these guys are high performers. I mean, these are guys and gals who have faced some of the toughest problems our nation has ever faced uh, multiple times. Their leadership, their problem-solving skills are off the charts. Uh, and they really embrace complexity and ambiguity. They're natural entrepreneurs. Uh, their skill sets far exceed, you know, what people I think stereotypically think of veterans as security guards and park rangers. It's way past that. Um, and, and it's really about helping our employers and CEOs and business owners, small business owners, understand the kinds of things our men and women can do. Uh, and I think when they see that, it's really exciting stuff. There's a lot of opportunity there. But is there any program that's government-sponsored that explains to employers exactly what you believe? There are some, uh, you know, I, I don't. I haven't, I haven't seen are. any. Sorry. I haven't seen any. Yeah, they're they're, they're working on. In fact, I would, I just gave a talk a couple of days ago in D.C. and I was meeting with a couple of people from the Pentagon, and they are in right now trying to put a, a program together that that explains to employers, for example, if you were a medic in the army, that explains uh, in civilian terms what you do. Here's the thing, I, you know, I don't personally, as an entrepreneur myself. I'm not going to sit around and wait for the government to explain to civilian employers what I did as a Green Beret. Uh, and a lot of us feel that way. We're, we're going to fill the gap ourselves, and we're going to start explaining it now, and we can do that. It's not something that we need to wait on, and it's not something we should wait on. Better late than never, I guess. Um, you know, this mis misperception leads to loss of hope on the veterans' side. How, how do we manage the hopes of veterans who've lost hope? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, so so if I could speak to the veterans that are listening now, mm. you know, one of the things that, that I I would say to them is, is, first of all, you are you are not in this by yourself. And I know sometimes it seems like you are. Um, and, and I get that. I know when I when I retired, even though I thought I was pretty well prepared, Viv, I there were times where I really thought I was on my own. And I think the reason for that is, is that when we leave the military, remember earlier I said we, we, we sprint to the finish line? Yeah. Uh, there are guys who literally get their pink slips while they're in Afghanistan. And so there isn't much time to transition. And so we've spent our whole career in the Army, in the military, in the Marines uh, with teamwork, with, with working as a team. And then all of a sudden, when we leave the military, we go off on our own. We're, you know, and and we, we do what we think we're supposed to do, but we mostly do it as individuals, and we actually leave, leave that team concept behind us. And, and that is absolutely essential to transition and beyond. We need to maintain that team concept. So my message to, to veterans is, first of all, you're not in this by yourself. Uh, there's a whole group of folks out there uh, that have walked this ground, that have run these miles, and that are in your corner. And um, 
if you start to think that you're on your own, you're not. There's a, there's a ton of groups out there that can help, uh, and I'm certainly part of it myself. Isn't that a very inhumane thing, getting a pink slip while you're on duty? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uproar about it right now in our community, quietly in the in the in the in the you know in the professional circles mm. that we work in. Um, but but I'm telling you, left and right, uh, veterans, operators, warriors are getting pink slips in the most inopportune places, um, and it is really disconcerting. You know, it is a, it is a real it is a real downer for morale. Um, but more importantly, you know, it really puts our guys under a tremendous amount of stress with not much time. Can you uh, imagine? Can you imagine? When you get those pink slips, you don't have a lot of time. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine. You, you, you're, protect, you're, you're trying to save your life in the middle of a missile attack, and then you're also worried about losing your livelihood. Losing your life, losing your livelihood. That, that's not a very patriotic thing. Well, it's changed. You know, this has been a, a recent change, and it's something our veterans are going through right now. And my message to veterans listening to this is I don't care how young you are. I don't care how much time you think you have in the military. If you're not thinking about transition right now, even if you're a very junior military person, you're making a mistake because there are no guarantees right now in terms of uh, job stability with the military. So you're on a mission. And so tell me about Mission America. <laughs> Well, you know, the next Ridgeline program, uh, Vip, we started this, the Green Beret Foundation, mm -hmm. under their leadership, really. It's a nonprofit 501c3 that helps special forces uh, wounded, ill, and injured, and we take care of our own. And, and, and the next Ridgeline program essentially is us filling the gaps, Green Berets on the other side of transition, helping other Green Berets and veterans uh, make that shift to civil society. And the next Ridgeline analogy, the way I describe it is, Basically, in, in special forces, when we do missions, we have to navigate over long distances with big, heavy packs. Uh, and you have to cover so much territory that often what you do is you find a terrain feature off in the distance, like a ridgeline. You take your compass out, you shoot a general azimuth, and then you just start walking towards that ridgeline. And you'll go through rivers and valleys and jungles and obstacles, but you never take your eye off that ridgeline because that is where your next mission is. And that is exactly what next ridgeline is for us. It is Mission America. What we're trying to do is change the way uh, our communities, our employers, and our veterans think about transition. This is not the Island of Misfit Toys. This is not what you can do for us to help us transition. This is a mission. These are high-performing, problem-solving uh, folks who can really bring value to the economy, who can bring value to corporations, and who can bring value to communities. And getting them back in the game as soon as possible is in everybody's best interest. And so it's coming together as a community and thinking about this as a mission. Yeah, there's challenges. Yeah, there's bumps in the road. So what? Let's work together. Let's get over them. And let's get everybody back in the game because that's when America benefits. You know, one thing, if I, I put myself in a veteran's shoes, um, are having too many organizations, too many nonprofit organizations confusing for veterans since, you know, one doesn't know, might not know where to go. Uh, it, it's like, you know, in a more humble example, if my wife sends me grocery shopping and she asks me to buy bread, that's where I get a panic attack because there are so many types. Yeah. No, so what's different? Point. What's what's different with Mission America? Yeah, so it's a great point. I mean, the, the, the Green Beret Foundation and Next Ridge Line, uh, the SEALs with the Honor Foundation, there are uh, emerging, very focused movements right now uh, to help our guys and gals make the transition. And you're right. There is literally a sea of goodwill. And I talk to veterans all the time, Vip. And just recently, a Green Beret Master Sergeant said to me, you know what, Scott? I would rather go back to Afghanistan four times in a row then go through transition again uh, because it is so confusing. It is so overwhelming. Our guys are used to operating and doing tough missions, but they're used to things being taken care of on the home front. They're used to a steady paycheck. They're used to their health care being taken care of, their family taken care of through family readiness groups. And all of a sudden that is gone and you're on your own trying to sort that out. And you have all of these organizations offering to help to the point that it becomes white noise. Uh, and having the clarity to see through that uh, is really tough. I mean, it's the reason that, that I wrote the book Next Ridgeline, which explains this program, this little book, so to, to push out to our guys to just help them understand what's out there, what the challenges are, and more importantly, what the opportunities are at a very grassroots, realistic level. So if I was a veteran, could I come to you 
uh, and, and, and go to Mission America, get some help there? Can I go to another organization, get some help there as well? Or is someone who comes to you has to be exclusively with you? Yeah, we're not going to turn anybody away. What what this is all about is collaboration. It's all about networks and connecting folks and, mm. and taking care of our own. Um, and there are a range of programs out there like Next Ridge Line um, with, with with the Green Beret Foundation and Honor Foundation that are that are you know they they have seals in mind. They have Green Berets in mind. But the reality is, uh, you know what? Any 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 of these organizations will 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 receive that outreach when it comes, and they'll they'll take the time to talk to that person and connect them where it makes the most sense. The the key here is to reach out to somebody. I mean, I tell people all the time. Uh, you know, Scott at scottman.com. You send me an email and we will get you connected to somebody. It's all about that human connection. These big organizations can be overwhelming. Find another veteran out there uh, and, and, just, and just make the connection at a grassroots level. It actually works pretty well. Uh, and, and we're much better at taking care of our own than the government is. Where do you get the resources? How can civilians like myself participate in this program? Well, you know, the, the, the Green Beret Foundation is, exists completely off the donations of, uh, of our nation's citizens, and I am just blown away at the support that we have received from, from donors at, at, at GreenBeretFoundation.org. Um, just a, a whole host of folks coming in to help like that. Um, I mean, so that's certainly one way uh, that, folks can, that can, folks can donate. And the other way is you can go to my website at scottman.co.co. And the book Next Ridgeline is there. Uh, you can buy that book as a gift. You can you can donate that book to a Green Beret or a veteran, uh, or or give it you know give it as a gift yourself. But but uh, and then the final thing I would say on that bit on that particular question is there are veterans all around us. I mean if you you know there's VA hospitals anywhere you go. Uh, it's their small business association has has veterans programs. You can just call them, mentor a veteran uh, as an entrepreneur. Uh, but what I would say is get grassroots. It's not hard to see what veterans are going through in your community. Uh, small business association, VA hospitals, reach out and just get involved at a grassroots level. It's one of the most meaningful things you could ever do. Your time means a lot. What if I was an employer and I had a few vacancies? Could I get in touch with you to see if you had some people that would might be able to fill in? Absolutely. Uh, it, the Green Beret Foundation, our program, again, Next Ridgeline, that's one of the things that we're really getting into right now is, is, uh, is helping connect employers. First of all, explaining to employers, hey, what is a Green Beret? You know, what does a Green Beret bring to your organization as a problem solving? I mean, don't forget, these are the you know, 500 guys that we dropped into Afghanistan after 9-11 that overthrew the Taliban in like 45 days. So they're pretty good at solving problems. Um, you know, and so we explain to employers what our guys do, uh, and then we help connect them. And, and, uh, and we can do that across any range of employment organizations. And there's other groups like, again, the Honor Foundation that does that as well. So absolutely, uh, you know, when this interview is over, you can contact me and I can put employers uh, in touch at a grassroots level. I mean, where you're actually talking to veterans uh, for possible opportunities. Now your book, The Next Ridge Line. Explain it to us. What's what's the purpose of the book? What are the two most important things a reader can take away from the book? Yeah, you know, when I started, I was already writing another book that you and I have talked about, Game Changers. And when I started this one, I thought my wife was going to kill me. I mean, honestly. And uh, it, it actually started the summer when we were on vacation. Uh, I started writing a blog because what struck me was a lot of our veterans, they're just really, especially our Green Berets, they, they, they weren't sure where to start with transition because like you said it's so overwhelming and daunting so I started this blog post for the Next Ridgeline website uh, at nextridgeline.org and um, it really started growing and before I knew it I had about 95 pages so I said you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna self-publish this thing and and so that's what I did I, I went through the Green Beret Foundation and and uh, we, we self-published it and and now in a couple of weeks it's gonna be out there uh, it's gonna be on my website at www.scottman.co co uh, we're, we're putting the book out there right now for, for advanced orders but you know it's it's just a short little book to explain the challenges of transition mm-hmm. uh, what our veterans are likely going to face what I went through I lay my own personal story out there and I'll tell you what there were points in my career where I almost hit financial ruin uh, but finally found financial freedom and what my path was the challenges I went through mentally physically and spiritually um, and then most importantly Vip where to go 
to start the transition process, how to, how to get the process started. And, and that's why I wrote the book, was just to get our folks thinking about it and let them know that the stuff you're going to go through, you're not crazy. <laughs> you know, there's going to be challenges and bumps in the road, and here's what you can expect, and here's how you reach out. And, uh, and that's the whole purpose of the book, is it comes totally from a place of service to let folks in America know what our veterans are going through, and most importantly, to tell our veterans, hey, you're not alone out there, and here's a path you can take to transition. From a civilian's perspective, what are the top three things a civilian needs to be aware of when they're dealing with a veteran? Because you have misperceptions, but people want to offer a a degree of sensitivity. So what are the three things they need to be aware of? Well, the first thing I would say is this is not the island of misfit toys. Mm. I I think that has just been overplayed. Uh, And I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel about it. And I think a lot of my peers feel the same way. There are challenges that our guys have gone through, but but at the end of the day, our guys and gals in the military are high performers. They have volunteered not once, but multiple times to go back to combat. Um, And they have have performed magnificently in, in the most arduous, complex, ambiguous circumstances that most of us could ever possibly imagine. So that's number one. These are high performers. Uh, number two, they don't want a handout. They're looking for a, for a hand up. Uh, they, they, they're looking to come in, make a connection, and do what they are brilliant at, which is problem solve, which is, which is, which is lead, which is make a difference, which is make, you know, to, 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 to really challenge themselves and contribute. Uh, one thing about and, – and the, the final thing that I'll say uh, that folks should probably know about veterans is um, they really want to be relevant. You know, the one thing that strikes me about our generation of, of warriors uh, that I've seen time and time again as combat is we are so conscious about being relevant and, and making a difference. Uh, it is astounding. Um, and, you know, in today's culture, in today's over, you know, hyper-connected world and lack of trust, you know, our society really needs young people coming in that want to be relevant and make a difference to something bigger than themselves. You know, so those are my three things. I, there, are, there are some real high-performance opportunities here, Vip, and you and I have talked about this multiple times that we just need to open our eyes to. And, and when we do, I think we're going to be real pleased. And they also, I guess, offer loyalty and very results-oriented? Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, and for the veterans, the one thing I would say is, 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 is you know, we are passionate to, to just to unbelievable degrees about serving in the military. I mean, believe it or not, as hard as it is, most of us would, would not trade it for anything. It was hard work. It's hard work, but we love it. And when we leave it, sometimes that's really challenging. And, and redirecting that passion and purpose to the next level can be a real challenge. And, and that's just one thing I would ask employers to be cognizant of, uh, is that our guys are redirecting passion and purpose from, from some very extreme circumstances but if we help them get over those bumps, there are, there are no limits to what they'll bring to the table. Well, you're talking about our guys. So what are you doing for veterans who are not special forces? Well, the way the Green Beret Foundation looks at this and, and Next Ridgeline is, is we are, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're walking the path right now. Look, none of us have the answers on this. I mean, this is a really tough problem. Transition is, you know, it still kicks my rear end. Um, and I've been out for a couple of years now. And so we don't have all the answers. What we do have, though, is a pretty tight-knit group of guys that are sorting this out as we go, uh, and we're starting to illuminate the path to that next race line. And as we do that, we're growing our network. We're reaching out to other veterans' organizations, and we're saying, look, uh, we're scuffed up. We've run the miles, but here's what we've learned. Here's what we have found. Here's, here's what works. Uh, for example, this book. I mean, we're, you know, we're sharing this book with as many people as we can. Um, next week, I'm going on Warrior Talk Radio. Uh, to talk about resilience, mind, body, and spirit, and how to how to maximize high performance and transition with several other experts. And they're not, you know, those listeners are not Green Berets. It's it's one team, one fight. But the way we look at it as Green Berets are always first in, last out. Our obligation is to walk this rough ground, put the light on the path, and then reach back for our brothers and sisters and bring them along with us. Now we've talked about transition, and you've explained it very articulately. But tell me, what does transition? look like? Mm. You know, I ask myself that every day. Um, I, I, I try to, you know, look at it for myself. I look at my peers. And, you know, Vip, everywhere I look, I see these examples of, 
of transition, you mm. know, um, just really encouraging examples. And I, and I don't think they get as much media play as I'd like to see. Um, but there are, you know, for example, the, you know, the president of LegalZoom, Frank Monastery, is a, is a Green Beret. He wrote the forward of my book. Um, um, my friend uh, Adam, Adam Bilbao, you know, is a, uh, is a Marine that was wounded in combat. Uh, has gone on to work now as a civilian at, at SOCOM and does wonderful lessons learned stuff uh, and all kinds of volunteer work. I mean, there's just a host of everywhere I look, uh, guys and gals are making that transition and, and getting that new normal. I talk about that in my book. There's, you know, there's a new normal out there and we all go through it in transition, even if you're not a veteran. But our you biggest... know, life throws stuff at you, you get scuffed up, you get up, you dust yourself off and you go back in. Um, but to me, the best example that I have ever seen of transition, and 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 you know, they're both my personal heroes, is is my friend Romy Camargo and his wife Gabby, who you introduced earlier. I've known Romy since uh, looking off camera here, since he was Staff Sergeant Camargo before he was a warrant officer, uh, and he was giving me fits as an E6. Uh, <laughs> we've served together in Special Forces for years and years and years, and gone to combat together. And Romy. Uh, you know, was wounded in combat, and he'll tell you that story. But, but you know, uh, it was a bullet that changed his life and changed Gabby's life. And ever since then, they have been just completely focused on transition and and achieving their new normal and their new life. And to me, that's what it looks like. And if it's all right with you, I'd love to bring them on and give the stage to them and and, and let your listeners and viewers uh, get a feel for what transition really looks like. Please do. So this is my buddy, Romy Camargo. Romy, truly honored to be in your presence, sir. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's a very overwhelming moment for me. Uh, good afternoon, Viv. How are you doing today? I'm doing Thank for having me on today. The honor is all mine. Can you share with us your story? Well, it was, um, I'm going to tell you how I, how I was in, how I was wounded. Um, it was September 16, 2008. We were doing a, humanitarian mission in Zabo province, um, central central Zabo province, uh, in the Argonaut district. And while we uh, were conducting that mission, we were we were ambushed. And while, we, while I was ambushed, I was uh, directing fires and, and moving uh, the troops around. And I suffered a gunshot wound to the back of the head, back of the neck. Um, paralyzing me instantly from the shoulders down. Um, once, once I was in, once I was hit, um, I, I heard, I heard one of my teammates yell, "Chief got hit! Chief got hit!" And then, you know, we started to react to casualty. So, what, once that happened, the medic came to my aid. Um, Steve Hill, great friend of mine, still comes up to the house all the time. Um, he did an emergency tracheometry. They stabilized me, got me breathing again, and then I, I was medevaced out of the area. I went to Kandahar, went to Bagram. From Bagram, I went to Germany. Germany, I went to Walter Reed all in three days. And I, I landed on my wife's birthday at Walter Reed, um, paralyzed, didn't know what was going on, can't remember the day. The day they told me I was paralyzed, and that's when life took a change for, for you know everybody would say probably say the worst, but you know in this case it was for the better. I'm sorry, I just find it very overwhelming. Um, <clears throat> what what prevents you from being hope feeling hopeless and giving up? Well. It, it was never engraved in me. I mean, you know, it was always, you know, keep going, keep going, never give up. Surrender is not a range of word. Um, it's just never, you know, my dad, my dad told me when I was a little kid, you know, if you quit once, you'll make it a habit. So I, I, I never quit anything I did. So, I mean, that was just the way I was raised, you know, from being a young ranger to, being a special forces NCO to being a special forces officer, that's what we always were told. And never give up, you know, and, and we just keep going, keep doing what we need to do. 
And the amazing thing about Romy Vip is that he's always, even even in the worst times of the injury, he's always worried about everybody else. Uh, I remember the night he was supposed to go in for some really significant surgery. He and a couple of his teammates and I were we were standing around, uh, just kind of tending to him that night before he went into surgery, and it was really late at night. And I felt some eyes on me, and I looked down at him, and uh, you know his neck was completely immobilized. And he said to me, "Hey, sir, are you okay?" <laughs> you know, and that, and you know, here he is about to go into this, you know, life-altering surgery. Not sure what the outcome is going to be, and he's asking if I'm okay. And that's just the way Romy's always been. Romy, you meant I loved your mission statement um, because it said fear, doubt, despair are the ones that destroy you, not bullets. Right? Yes, sir. You know, you can you can fall you can fall to the wayside and and, and be depressed and, and you know have that depression take you over. But you just got to keep a focused mind, you know, have, have faith and that, you know, God has plans for everyone. And, you know, this is this is the path that was chosen for me. So you, you can't you can't let that happen. You got to be, you know, like I have to be a role model for my children. I have to be father. I have to be husband. I still have to be son, brother. So, you know, those those, those aspects to me. Are, are the important ones that that I have to look, how look do you, forward to. I can't be depressed. How do you overcome bad days? And I'm sure you have them. I keep driving on. You know, it's like you know, it's like uh, Scott's theme for the for the book is you know the next the next rich line. So I just keep looking at you know the next day, the next week, the next month, because you know changes. Changes will come quick, and especially with uh, with my recovery as well. And I think part of your recovery is Gabby. Oh, yes, sir. You know, Gabby, Gabby's, me and Gabby have been together for 14 years, and I've known her since, since, I, was her, since I was 12. I was her first kiss at 14, and, you know, I still have to, I still have to be husband. You know, I can't, you know, even though... Um, confined to this wheelchair for right now, but I, I, you know, I still have to be husband. And I still have to, still have to be strong for her and everything. Well, bring her on. Let's have a look. Go on, Gabby. Hi, babe. How Thank are you, you for Gabby? Me today Take a seat. You're looking, you're looking beautiful. You know, this is the other side of transition as well, where I guess um, using the word caregiver is, is too simple, but it's also some of our forgotten heroes are the ones who stay at home. Right, Scott? Absolutely. I, you know, I, uh, Gabby and my wife, Monty, are, are great friends, and they would both tell you that uh, being the wife of a Green Beret is the hardest job in the U.S. Army. Uh, I'll let you have talk to it. I think, Scott, being your wife would be the hardest job anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. (laughs) Gabby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, Romy, and yourself. A question. Thank you so much for the opportunity. How do you remain strong? Um, There is not any secrets about it. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm a Christian person. My faith is keeping me up all the time. I'm not gonna lie to you, this is not easy, but I just take day by day, day by day, one day at a time. Um, thinking about, okay, what can we do to make the difference, Romulo? Um, I, like he just told you, uh, we have been together for 14 years, and uh, since, uh, since the first day that they told me, okay, this is what happened with your husband. Mm. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna I don't want to be giving up with Romulo. I don't know what is the uh, the challenge that I'm gonna face with his new reality, but uh, I just want to be by by his side. Anything that, that I can do to help him, I'm gonna do it. And that's why we took this uh, decision to open the uh, the rehab center that we are in the process to open. 
I want to get to that. Uh, but before I say, you know, you said some very interesting things because we live in a very selfish world. Um, but you wanted to remain committed. That, where do you get your values from? Because it's so easy to say, you know what? I feel cheated by God. Um, the rest of my life, I'm, I'm going to have to commit to a certain way of, of living. So what, what, what keeps you going? Uh, my commitment first is with God and then with my husband. And I always say, you know what? If this happened to him, I'm not going to let him go by himself. I'm going to be by his side no matter what. Um, I'm just going to be supporting him. This is, I mean, what happened to Romulo, he was fighting for my freedom. And the minimum that I can do for him is to be by his side and supporting him and do everything that I can do. I have the rest of my life to support Romulo and, and I love him and I love my new husband. So uh, that, that, that's all that I can tell you. When you have a I bad... Love him. I don't see his paralysis like, like an issue for us mm. in, in, in our relationship. This is my new husband. I love him, and we everything that we do, we do it as a teamwork, right? Yeah. <laughs> how do you I'm manage? How do you how do you manage your bad days? I just pray, pray. I have those days when I ask God, uh, why is taking so long to see my what I want to see? But uh, the next day is a new day, new hope. So I keep moving, keep going. Um, this is my family. I have to take care of my family. Uh, my son, I want to be a good example of uh, don't give up. Mm. It doesn't matter the circumstances. Keep moving. And, and that, that, that's all I can do. Well, you, <laughs> talk, a, you talk about keep on moving. And, and you and Romy came up with this stay in step concept. Am I right? Yes, sir. Can yes, you, can you I, I, I remember the day telling Romulo, uh, he was watching TV in our room, and, and I say, Romulo, you know what? Let's be realistic. Uh, how long do you think that you can keep going to Orlando, traveling twice a week? Because I know that you want, you want to get better. Why we don't open a rehab center here in, in Tampa? Let's do it. And I remember that Romulo was like, what? Are you crazy? I mean, Gabby, what are you talking about? And I said, Romulo, let's do it. I know that we can do it. You don't believe in God? We can do it. If it's with us, who's going to be against us? So let's do it. And, uh, and then a few days later, he realized that, okay, let's do it. Let, let's do it. And the first person that I told Romulo, Romulo, we need to share this with Scott, Scott man. Um, Scott, I remember Scott at the hospital supporting Romulo and I never gonna forget that. Since then, he's been uh, visiting us all the time and uh, I was like, Romulo, if it's someone who's gonna be in our team, it has to be Scott. So um, it's a blessing to have him with us working with these projects. Scott, I want to ask you, um, this stay in step concept, it's now in, in, in Tampa? Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's going to be in Tampa, Florida, VIP. It's going to serve spinal cord injury patients all over the nation, both military and civilian. But Is it a medical center? That, say again? Is it a medical center? Yeah, it's it's well. What it is is it's it's a rehabilitation center, and 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 Gabby and Romy can uh, can correct me here. But one of the things that Romy's been doing for his recovery is traveling traveling back and forth to Orlando for very aggressive rehabilitation training. I mean, you you should see it. The the, the website has the videos, but it's 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 resistance training, weight training. It's really aggressive, and it prevents that that plateau that often happens with spinal cord injuries, and it has really good results. Uh, the problem is in Tampa, there is no spinal cord injury center of this kind. Uh, and so Romy and Gabby saw that gap. They saw the need to fill that gap. 
and decided, you know what, we'll just do a nonprofit ourselves. We live it every day. We'll operate it and we'll run it. Well, how much does something like this cost to set up? Well, Ben, we're, we're looking at, there's a range of, you know, prices and, well, not prices, but the funds and, um, you know, there's private centers all over the United States. So it takes about $450,000 plus all the equipment to, to get this started. And, and that's the point where we're where we're, where we're at right now. Um, We've raised several several hundred thousand dollars. Uh, these two have been amazing. I mean, they, they, they what they do to, have, to raise the money, it's just been a handful of us doing it in, in just a few months. We've gotten pretty close. The only thing really left now, uh, Vip, is, uh, is actually the equipment. Is We're, we're actually you know, looking uh, for the community to help out with the equipment. But other than that, I mean, we're, we're almost there, right? Yeah, but we're almost, you know, we're almost there. We're already, you know, we have the equipment list already locked in and what we, our vision, what our vision is like, we already have it. Uh, we already signed a lease on a center and, you know, just, just waiting for, you know, the rest of the funds and especially the equipment. Um, the equipment is, is on the latest research, research for bone density, um, uh, better bone, bone density results using uh, functional electrical stimulation with weight bearing. So there's a couple key pieces of equipment that, that we're looking for and we need for the center um, now. Manromi, in your condition, is there an opportunity or potential for you to improve and get better? Yeah, um, yes, sir, there is, especially, um, you know, in 2000, 2011, I was the first active duty service member to go overseas and receive a research surgery called the olfactory mucosa autograft, where they took nerves from the base of my nose and grafted them onto the inner portion of my spinal cord. So that's when we started, you know, as I came back after the surgery, um, I needed to do um, intense physical rehabilitation, uh, an exercise-based, activity-based physical, th physical therapy that, that needed to be done. And I need to work out, you know, two to three times uh, a week you know, three, two to three hours a day. So that's why I've been traveling to to Orlando to, to get that rehabilitation. So, so once, once you know, traveling back and forth, that's when Gabby got the idea of, you know, opening a private center, and which we call Stay in Step. And then we got Scott on board and, you know, taking us to now as we talked about, you know, getting the equipment for, the center itself. So once this um, medical treatment starts to take effect, what would be the difference in your condition? What would you be able to do that you're not presently able to do? Well, you know, it can start, you know, it starts going from your level of injury down and um, I'm, a, I'm a C3, which is paralyzing me from the shoulders down, no movement in my arms. So as you do the physical rehabilitation, you start, the idea is you start feeling from the level of injury down. So for me, it would be my chest, and you start moving my triceps, then my biceps, then my arms, you know, my hands and my torso. So all around, I get stronger. Uh, every day I can breathe better since I have a, still have a, a indwelling tracheometry and um you know it's it's just bringing bringing back those muscle memories that that you used to have and um you know the result is uh, you get you get more feeling from the sense of as from the level of injury down and the other thing Vip, is you know from the time romy was injured you know, one of the first things I heard was, hey, there's a good chance he won't make it. And then the next thing was, hey, Romy, you know, you're really lucky to be alive. Uh, you're going to have to breathe on a machine the rest of your life. And as you can see, 
that's far from the case. And then the next thing was, uh, but hey, you're really lucky to be alive. You're, you're just going to have to spend your life in, in the hospital, and we're shooting this from his house. So, uh, you know, all of us are pretty darn optimistic that uh, the regimen that he's got to pursue will work and, um, and, and, and that he's going to continue to get better. Gabby, the stain step, would that be for just veterans only or for anyone? Um, the center, well, um, this is going to be open for uh, both community, mm-hmm. the military community and the civilian community, because uh, at the end of the day, you don't want uh, you don't want to discriminate anybody. Right. My husband is a military and he loves his career. He loves his military community, but he's a human being that uh, when he sees somebody in a wheelchair, he knows uh, what is to be in a wheelchair. So we say, you know what? If we're gonna open this center, it has to be for everyone, everybody living with a, a spinal cord injury. Let's give the same opportunity, equal opportunities for everybody living with a spinal cord injury. And something unique about the our center that we are trying to do totally different than the rest of the uh, rehab center here in the United States is that we are trying to integrate the family. Uh, the family is a very important aspect in the recovery process. Uh, paralysis is a family issue. It's not just to provide a service for the person living with a spinal cord injury. You have to think about the caregivers. What about the the mom, the, the, the wife, what about them? Because of course that they are the main, the main uh, focus or they need the, 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 the help, but uh, what about those taking care of this person every single day? And something that we are trying to do in our center, uh, integrate the family, uh, create a family group support, that's going to be Gabby Camargo in charge. That's my part at the center. But uh, because I always think about those who doesn't have the same uh, blessing, because Romulo and I as a family, we are a strong family. But what about those who doesn't have the same support system? And that's something that we want to provide at the center. Well, I really want to say, you know, this show has been a life-changing moment for me because very rarely do I meet individuals who need help but actually in turn help others. Um, it's Thanksgiving time. Scott, I want to end the show with each of you wanting to give a message. Uh, what's your message to our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Viv. You know, I, I couldn't wait for you to, to spend time with Romy and Gabby, um, and I know that your audience probably feels the same way, you know, Every time we come over and see these guys, I bring my three boys and my wife, Monty, and one time we were walking out, and my littlest boy, Brayden, my smallest boy, he said, you know, Dad, every time I see Romy, I just feel better, you know, because they just lift you up. And, you know, that's my message to everybody listening here is, you know, um, one, if you're a veteran, you're not on your own out there. You know, we're here for you. You are not on your own. Uh, Scott at scottman.co. You email me and we'll get you connected. You're, you're not out there on your own. Uh, there is a team of people out here that'll that'll be with you every step of the way. You, you've, you've paid some serious dues, uh, so please, uh, if, if you're out there as a veteran, reach out to somebody and uh, and connect. And there's a, there's a, there's a network out there to help you. The other thing I would say to our community members is one, thank you so much to your audience, Vip. What a great bunch of patriots. And for all the support we always get as veterans and veterans' families, it's amazing. Uh, and as our guys and gals come home, um, let's look for ways to help them get back in the game uh, because that's really what this is all about. It's about Mission America. It's about giving opportunities, uh, not handouts, and looking for ways uh, for folks to, to, to do what they do best. Because as you can see from these two, uh, this is all about getting back in the game. And if, and if Romy and Gabby can do this, uh, we all can do something like this. So get in step with Mission America to stay in step. That's it. Romy? Yes, sir. Any any you know, final comments for our listeners? Yeah, right, Roger that. You know, it's, you know, it's like I said, like Gabby said, you know, we're trying to get back in the game, but we want to help also the wounded spinal cord injury. But we also want to help, you know, the other, the civilians that don't have the visibility, and that's 
that's my job is to help, you know, the wounded spinal cord injury guys. I want to be a role model for them. I want to show them that, you know, we can, we can get back in the game and we can do it together. And, you know, while we're doing it together, we want to help our civilian counterparts as well that can, they can come to our center, stay in step, and they can look at the website, www.stayinstep.org and see that, you know, we all have a chance to, to recover and we can do it together. Thank you, Romy. Gabby? Well, the last thing that I would like to say is that uh, in life, uh, it's not the event what happened to you. It's how you let the event inspire the next uh, chapter of your life. This is a choice, and Romulo and I, we choose to uh, lead the path for those to overcome what they may think is an adversity, but to us, this is an opportunity. So thank you so much to everyone that is listening uh, right now for giving us this great opportunity to give back to our community through our center, Staying Step. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And Scott, very quickly, how do you get the book, The Next Ridge Line? Yeah, the best way, Vip, it's going to be coming out in just a few weeks, but if you go right now to uh, uh, www.scottman.co, you can go ahead and pre-order the book. I think we're going to try to like discount it. It's a great Christmas gift for veterans. I mean, even community members that just want to understand the issues right. better, or if you're just going through transition, uh, you don't have to be a veteran. There's a lot in here to deal with those rough patches. So scottman.co, and you can uh, pre-order the book right there. Um, stay in Step, what's the best web address? www.stayinstep.org. Thank you all three very much. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This truly was a show of courage, hope, and inspiration in its purest form. And I hope you feel the same way. Your comments and your followers are so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswell and my Facebook page. A special shout out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez, Rick Buser, and a special note of thanks to Adam Bilbao for making this show happen in its visual form. And most of all, in this season of thanks, I wish all of you listeners my sincere gratefulness for tuning into the show. I don't take your support for granted. I take it with gratitude. I wish you a wonderful Thanksgiving season with your loved ones. And until the next episode of the Vip Jazzwell Report, God bless and all the best. Best.